This is Raining Descending, where we watch IMDb's worst 250 movies so you don't have to. I'm Michelle St. Clair. I'm Abigail Ward. And this week we watched Devil's Dew. After a mysterious lost night on their honeymoon, a newlywed couple finds themselves dealing with an earlier-than-planned pregnancy. Let's watch. Abigail, I never return the question. Oh my god, true. <laughs> oh my god, oh my true. God. Um, alright, you know, I'm a, I'm a, I'm a married woman now. Yeah. Um, now we've talked about. So that. all of my interests revolve around my husband. Oh yeah. Um, and minding the house, and well, there's a lot to do. I assume yes. he, in, in many ways, like disappoints you, but you love him anyway. Oh, absolutely. Yeah. Yeah. He's very emotionally distant and cold, and yeah. I'm always trying to coerce a bit of affection out of him, and. Yeah, but he's, you know, the light of my life and I don't know where I'd be without him. Wow. Yes. That's cool. Yes. And sometimes, you know, he does get a bit physical, but. Oh, my God. You know, that's just, that's my lot in life. Abby, are you okay? Oh, I'm great, Michelle. When you say physical, you mean in like the Olivia Newton-John sense, right? Like he's a big exerciser. This is dark. This is too dark. Let's pull up. Hey, we got another email. Oh, my God. <laughs> um, I am not going to read out the whole thing because it's a very long email, which I loved. It is long and filled with righteous indignation. So it's exactly the sort of email that I love to get. Mm-hmm. However, uh, it is part. I wanted to read it out both because it's fun when people send things in, but also because um, we've been hosting this for a while and mm. we've said a lot of stupid shit. I haven't. Uh, maybe, be- maybe you have, but I think I stand by everything I've said on this podcast. Uh, Two years of insight. I haven't and been knowledge. more thoroughly and uh, aggressively criticized for anything I've said more than me defending the Artemis Fowl movie. <laughs> it wasn't a good movie, Michelle. It shocked me as well. I yeah, I, I I've never <laughs> been so thoroughly critiqued on my work before. <laughs> what happened? Um, no, I mean not just this email, but I like. In general. Many of our friends and fans have messaged me being like, I hate that movie. Ooh, it did that movie suck. <laughs> it did. My my opinion was like if I was seven, I was think I would think it was cool. But even if I was seven, I would think the first 30 minutes was exciting and the rest was gibberish. We don't need to rehash this, right? I'm willing to, to as the as the youths once said, take the L and just go, all right, I was wrong on Artemis Fowl. All is, right? is taking the L like taking the high road? Like Taking the L is taking, taking the loss. Taking the loss. Like L is for losing and W. So they don't mean like the L train in Chicago. No, no. It's like, it's like, here's your, like, it makes more sense written out, especially because it'll be like, and this guy deserves a W and it usually means like this guy deserves a win. Right. So you're taking the loss. Okay. I feel like when I read just a W, I read it as win, but when it's an L, I just read it as L, which is meant to be lost. Deleted TikTok and like barely go on Twitter. I just, I'm lost to the world. I'm Ah. losing touch. I'm taking the L. You're taking the L. <laughs> I'm Elling touch. Does that work? What? Yeah, no, not oh, really. Fuck. Anyway, so this email, I'm going to read out some of it. Um, this was from someone. Hi, I recently discovered your podcast, went on a binge, and I'm greatly enjoying it. 
And then you did Artemis Fowl, one of my favorite <laughs> books turned into one of my most hated movies. Even Abigail's 3.8 for the movie is insultingly high. So, you know, you're not spared from this. So this feels like as good a time as any to send in a rambly email testing your commitment to read all fan mail. Fuck. Um, the, I wanted to read out two parts in particular. One was, was just this bit, mostly talking about like the behind the scenes and what it was meant to be. Yeah. I find the behind-the-scenes mess so much more intriguing than the Artemis Fowl movie itself. There clearly existed a more faithful cut that got butchered during the reshoots. The troubled production was never a secret, so when the movie came out, I went on a deep dive trying to uncover the original pre-shoot version of the film. And with the help of movie tie-in books, deleted scenes, behind-the-scenes looks, and blooper reels, here's the best version I've managed to uncover. Artemis Senior, who was never actually seen in the movie is kidnapped and the unnamed kidnapper calls Artemis Jr. demanding a ton of fairy gold. Following the hints in his father's postcards, Artemis goes to Vietnam where he extorts a fairy out of her Bible containing the fairy laws. Armed with the book, Artemis captures Holly, who is about to perform a ritual to regain her magic after a troll fight. Leprechaun surrounds the foul manor. Holly buries a smuggled-in acorn, regains her magic, and escapes the cell, trapping Juliet in it. Mulch Diggums tunnels in and finds the Aculos in the manor, revealing the fathers of Artemis and Holly work together so they make peace and team up. The group beats the trolls sent in, and Holly heals the mortally wounded butler. Lep pays the ransom, but Artemis gives half of the gold back as a payment for Holly to cure his mother's mental illness. Lep launches a biobomb into the manor, but Artemis and co. escape by forcibly falling asleep. Lep leaves as the time stop violently collapses and Artemis calls the hooded figure to tell him he is coming for his father. The end. So it sounds like it was a lot more faithful to the book originally. That at least has the dad not in it and it's about yeah. the mom as well. Yeah, yeah. It's still like kind of merging things together. But I just love how much this person has obsessed over this. This is what I like about our podcast is that it really attracts people that also have a niche fascination. Yeah. With the production hell behind several terrible movies. It's oh, a, yeah. It's a very special place to be with you all. Nothing nothing makes me happier than when people send things in and I realize that we have carried the exact sort of audience that I've always hoped. Yeah, and a lot of the time the audience know more than us about these films. And I'm like, fuck, you should host. <laughs> you should have done that episode. No, 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 no. Come on, man, I need this. I'm out of a job. <laughs> I also, I won't read this bit out fully, but uh, they also said that they were a fan of random data and did a random sampling of the episodes they've listened to. And our thesis is right. There does seem to be an upward trend and our average has risen from around 2.5 to 3.8 during the 100 or so episodes. God, how does that happen? The rating is literally getting lower and ours is going higher. What's going on? (laughs) To be fair, to be fair... I think if you look back through the last, like, six movies or so... They have been pretty fun. They've been pretty good. And, I mean, I think today might break that streak. Yeah. But, you know, we've been on a great roll. We have. Like, it's been delightful especially since the break i've been like holy shit wow like you know with even like thunderbirds and even the patriot was fun that's you know? hindustan and food fight were a real oh yeah absolutely for me so i am to to pivot <gasps> so upset that like we have been on such a streak such a hot streak it reminded me exactly what i love about bad movies what i love about doing the podcast and then this week we watched Devil's Due. We did. Also, thank you for the email, whoever. Oh, thank you to the email, MR. 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 I'm just, I'm so. Listen, if you're someone who, if you're an old listener, 
you know do you mean like a listener that's listened for a while or just an old person that listens either either works okay all right but really if you've been listening for a while yeah you know that like the quintessential rating descending experience is not like you can't get a food fight i think that's one of our best episodes without a devil's due like i can't think of a movie like more appropriate to absolutely ruin a fucking hot streak than another fucking found, found footage, footage man movie. found footage like that that term is banned on this podcast now <laughs> i feel like we're not allowed to say it every time we say banned like found footage we have to go beep beep i'm i'm make so, it happen i will i'll all right I, i'll i'll have to all right now i'll have to do that i'll have to send <laughs> just to add in, a bit of extra work if, for you <laughs> yeah I'll, I'll have to add in every single time we say it but it's just this oh, it's a horrible genre it's just it's trashy and it's lazy and it's always about it's always about usually just a woman in particular becoming possessed by something demonic yes but men love making like movies about women getting possessed because women are meant to be angelic and saint-like and they're so sweet and soft but now they're scary because they're corrupted by something evil inside of them it's also like i think it's like the protagonists are like it could be anybody but consequently it's the most like milk toast bland waspy middle to upper middle class people that guy that played the lead character we used to play celebrity heads a lot michelle and i and something that we found was that the best way to make the game difficult was to go for the most bland white brunette male actor that we could possibly think of because it would take ages to get to the bottom of it i will say like for for anyone out there we have gotten so good at celebrity heads yeah. we like i introduced to my housemate we did a road trip from melbourne to sydney and back yeah like our version of it because it's slightly different because mm. we kept doing celebrity heads but the thing is we also have like a lot of overlap in the celebrities that we know but the areas that are different is too stark so like mm. if it was like polis- politicians or historical figures it's like there's the chance of not knowing, but also it's kind of easier to hone in mm. as well as, you know, so we found we would too regularly like pick actors. Yeah. And then the fastest way to figure out an actor is if they have like a key movie, yeah. figure out the movie. There was this one time that Michelle's, like the answer was Mike Myers, but I was certain it was Jim Carrey because the overlap is surprisingly vigorous. The the similarities between their career arc, especially centered around the Grinch and Cat in the Hat, yeah. shockingly identical. Yeah, shockingly identical. One time, my answer was Katie Holmes, and Michelle just couldn't get it because she's so it. generic she's, and yeah. bland. It was a great choice. I, I just I never think about Katie Holmes as a person no. until someone Why says would you? Katie Holmes. Why would but, you? But now it is. We just do the movie straight mm-hmm. up, and then you get a lot easier like rather than it's like it has to be strict yes or no Mm. you know like expand it out a little like it should still be a yes or no question but you can add a little more spice on the answer yeah you know okay wait let's do one right now i I don't i'm thinking of someone okay are they american yes are they a man yes yeah always every time (laughs) do they have like one key big movie they've got a couple are they still acting yeah are they still, are they like an A-lister? Yeah. Are they mostly a modern actor, like post-2000s? Mm, around that time. Around that time? Yeah. So that are they at the peak of their career now? No. Uh, so they're they're well past their peak? Yes. Was their peak then the late 90s, early 2000s then? Yeah, roughly. Right. And so they're at this point over 50? Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. At that time, were they a leading man or a character actor? Leading man. The longer it's taking me for me to get it, the more like the more the likelihood of me just cutting it out goes up and up and up. 
the listeners are playing along. They're not here to listen to us play celebrity heads. But I am. I'm ready for this. This is That's fun. That's what you're here for. <laughs> yeah. That's what I was waiting to play this game. <laughs> you were waiting for us to record so that we could play celebrity heads. Yeah. Can you just tell me who it is? I really want to keep talking about the movie. <laughs> oh, no, I'm I'm keen to play this game for the next 50 minutes. You're never going to get it. <laughs> <laughs> please, please don't do this to me. It's Ethan Hawke. Is Ethan? Never would have gotten exactly. Ethan. Exactly. Never would have gotten and Ethan. And it's like Hawk. that's the same. It's hard. the Katie Holmes effect. Yeah. It's literally like he's really popular, and when you realize it's Ethan Hawke, you're like, oh, of course it is. But it's like the, you would I could never have, choose. I could them. have gotten it on a road trip. Would not have gotten it right now. No, no. You would and have you, needed you like another link later, right? For, yeah, Richard yeah. Linklater. It would have taken you like another forty minutes. Oh, for sure. That's why <laughs> yeah. I'm like, there's no way we can keep going with this. I just this wanted to prove my point. You can go for like A-list celebrities, and you will never get them. Sometimes if it's a if it's a brunette man who's been in more than ten movies, it's really hard. Even a brunette woman, Katie Holmes. Again, listen. If you're if you're a new listener, say you you just heard the ha-has of Highlander Two or Food Fight, and you're like, all right, I'll start at some of the later stuff, and you're here, just know that like this is the podcast experience. Is that sometimes we, you know, we unlike other bad movie podcasts, we don't have the luxury of choosing good movies to talk about. No, sometimes, sometimes we get thrown in the shit end of the river without get, a stick to paddle. We get little piggy slop fed to us in a bucket and then everyone has to watch as we go, but we are not pigs. I'm on my hands and knees eating from the slop bucket going, please, sir, please. And our, our uh, contractual owner is standing over us going, I'm sorry, you got to eat from the pig bucket. Well, in the way that Lawrence Kasanoff was monitored by a man in a black suit <laughs> with glasses, um, by his production company, we've we've got two men standing behind us in suits and glasses with yeah. a gun to the back of our heads. So, um, welcome to the podcast. This is this is who we are. This is what we do. You know. Hey, it's it's trapped uh, here every week. It's so good you're here. Eternal coil. I, I just can't believe, flashbacks to Spookums in April, where I feel like I feel like keen-eared listeners would be able to tell. Boy, they need a break. Yeah, <laughs> Spookums in April was a was a tough time. I even that haven't... was us making the best of a terrible situation. I I have in my notes, like, the first thing I wrote down while watching this, it took less than five minutes for me to remember how miserable this podcast is sometimes. <laughs> yes, yes. <laughs> it's just been it's so deep, fun dark recently. Place. I was like, oh, sometimes it is just this. <laughs> I know what you mean. I know what you mean. Like, Thugs of Hindustan, I was like, this is fantastic. Three yeah. hours went by like that. This was an hour and 27 minutes, and I felt every minute this so was, keenly. Surely this was longer. This was, oh, my God, <laughs> it went for an eternity. There was a literal scene where they're just opening presents like their their wedding presents and i was yeah. like we don't need to be here right now i don't want to watch like two or three minutes of this couple opening their christmas presents yeah well especially since you know i, I I'll, I'll get into some of it but like the way it sets up the spookies in these kind of movies really irritates me because it's both the complete opposite way to dramatically create tension in a film as well as being just the least interesting possible thing. Like there's a bit where a woman is doing the ultrasound and they're like, look at the baby that she's like, not, she's not going, wait, what, what's that? Oh, she's going like, oh yeah, your baby seems good and healthy. And then the screen like flickers for a moment. Yeah. And then she goes, huh, that's weird. And I'm like, ooh, spooky. spooky. Whoa, this, oh my goodness. Flickered. Come on. Yeah. Grow up. Yeah. Do you want to hear me to get into the key details? Yes. 
Key Details. This came out in 2014, directed by Matt Bettinelli-Olpen and Tyler Gillette, who I'll get into more in just a second. Tyler Gillette. But not with the E in the end, so not not like the shaving. Oh, Gillette. It was starring Alison Miller and Zach Guilford, who sure. were described as notable people, and then I looked, I just, I've never heard of them and never seen them before. Have they been in anything since? Uh, yeah, uh, I mean, I looked it up and I just, I it didn't even seem notable enough to write down. Because this was 2014, 2014. right? 2014. Yeah. Uh, budget, $7 million, and it made $36.9 million. It's not a bad return at all. No. Why do people fucking eat this shit up? I, I mean, oh! it bummed me out so much. As I was watching it, I was like halfway through, my housemate came up and she said, why are you watching that ugly thing? <laughs> and I, I had to say, like, this made $37 million. It's like every time we come across these found footage films, they make bank, like, yeah. especially like the ones that well, are like- Well, not just, Area 51. Not Area 51, <laughs> but a lot of them make so much money because yeah. people love it. People, and they think it's genuinely spooky. Meanwhile, Screen Australia, I, hey, if someone from Screen Australia is listening, I'd love to talk and have like, I'm such a big fan, but famously they don't like genre and think that horror won't sell, even though that's the one genre that even in small local markets consistently sells. Yeah. The horror movie is replacing the short as like the director's calling card. And, and we just don't want to make have them. Been the best selling horror films that we've had, like yeah. the best selling films that we've had, like fucking like Wolf Creek and, and even like Snowtown, like these like yeah. horrible true crime related stories. People lap this shit up. They even, like it. Even the more like recent or the Wormwood, which is more of like comedy horror, but that that ended up getting a show. The and Babadook. Everything. Oh, Babadook. Yeah. yeah. Fucking hell. Yeah. Every time Man. we do horror, people love it. Yeah. Keep doing it. Although Just I make it better. Babadook was produced here or anything. What? Was it? Wasn't it? It's was Jennifer it? Kent. Yeah, I know it's directed by Jennifer Kent. Yeah. Um, no, 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 no. Sorry, Abby, I think you're mistaken. We don't fund movies by Australian directors. <laughs> they have to go overseas for that shit. That makes sense. <laughs> yeah. Um, there are two returning actors, two rating descending all stars. No. There's Amy Carrero, who was, I don't know, one of the, like, I think Susie, who at the end gets killed. Yeah. She was in the squeakquel as a character called Emily. Wow. Yeah. As well, there was a. <laughs> I looked through every actor and I saw towards the bottom. I think he played the priest, but I'm going to look it up right now just to double check. Oh, no, the police officer. The police officer in the movie was played by a guy called Michael Papa John. <laughs> There's no space, just P-A-P-A-J-O-H-N. Michael Papa John, who was in Jonah Hex as one of the Sabre Guard, apparently, <laughs> and superhero movie as a rubber. Wow. That's his credit. Wow. So really like- Third appearance. Sneaking from behind someone who's just Where been he, like- Michael Papa John, I hope he dominates the list. Featured extra, extra in a lot of movies. <laughs> That's amazing. You go, Michael Papa John. I, w- I hope we can get him on for an episode. Oh, me too. And I added here, we've started doing like sometimes production stuff here. Because there's like nothing interesting to talk about in this movie, I looked up a whole bunch of production stuff mm. to potentially talk about because Great. we've got to talk about something. Oh, we've got to have something. Um, so I mentioned it was directed by Matt Bettinelli Olpen and Tyler Gillette. So Matt Bettinelli Olpen started working in the mailroom of New Line Cinema and making found shorts uh, known as like pranks gone wrong in a collective known as Chad, Matt, and Rob. I hate all of them. Often <laughs> Chad, Matt, and Rob. You can all go to hell. Often staying after hours at New Line to, to film it there and stuff. I bet they were the worst. I just have to, I, I can tell they were the worst guys. Well, 
the thing that happened to Chad, Matt, and Rob is that Rob left, um, and Tyler Gillette and Justin Marinez joined, so they reformed as Radio Silence. Um, and their debut was the 10.31.98 segment of the first VHS oh. that premiered at Sundance in 2012. Right. Yeah, which we should say, we didn't talk about it in the VHS viral episode, is technically V slash H slash S. Yes, that's right. I don't know why. That was in 2012. In Then in, of course, 2014 and 15, Devil's Jew and Southbound, which was also like an anthology horror that they directed, I think, a segment of, uh, were released two similar sort of like eh reviews. Yeah. However, in 2019, Bettinelli Olpen and Gillette were hired to direct Ready or Not, a black comedy horror about a newlywed being hunted by her spouse's wealthy Satan worshipping family as part of a wedding night ritual. Sounds shit. Which I know I didn't watch, but I remember when it came out because the trailer was like, this looks kind of fun. Instead of Really? Because instead of doing the thing of like, oh my god. Where it's like clearly taking after saw, but trying to make it actiony, it's comedic, you know. And forgive it's, me if I'm skeptical. It's just we're here. It got decent reviews, like, like eight out of tens, wow. some nine out of tens, you know, because it's the thing of like, oh, you know, the rich being Satan worshiping and hunting them down. Like, you know, there's there's a lot of like thematic ground there. So instead of it being a film about nothing, there's actually you know, a film. Mm. I, I know people that liked that movie, so I don't want to, mm. I don't want to berate it. Um, and then if, I will fuck you guys. I can just tell you're the worst. But then a few Take years later, them. the pair helmed the fifth installment of the scream franchise scream. No way. I love that. They just called it scream again. It's really funny to say <laughs> the fifth scream movie scream. It's called scream. <laughs> it's so stupid. And they're coming back for, for the next one as well. <laughs> and I, People liked that one too. That one I think was more divisive, but a lot of people really liked it. So Interesting. I haven't seen it, so I don't want to say either way. But like, fair. So I'm, apparently, they're, they're apparently not bad directors. Mm, I'm sorry. I'm just skeptical about groups of men that specialize in found footage <laughs> horror films. But that's a, they didn't specialize. They did it two times. Mm, you know, mm. and, and since unfortunately, then, done not that. Here we are. Yeah, I know. We're still here. Oh, but I'm so, just. I'm. I'm resentful that this director has landed us in this position where he's made this film, and now we have to talk about it. Fuck you. Yeah, that's true. I I do think we should hold him personally responsible for that, (laughs) (laughs) for us having to watch it. (laughs) Yes, 100%. I've never held the director personally responsible for me having to sit right here at this table right now, but today is the day. (laughs) This is it. What's his name again? Michael Bettinelli? Michael Bettinelli, sorry, Matt Bettinelli Open. Fuck you, Matt. Fuck you. No, no, no. We're not letting Tyler Gillette get out of this. No, 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 no. Give me that tasty overview, baby. All right. Young couple Zach and Samantha head to the Dominican Republic for their honeymoon. However, during their stay, they have several strange run-ins with psychics and fortune tellers before a seemingly friendly cab driver takes them to a local club. While there, they are drugged and a ritual is performed. Weeks later and back at home, neither of them remember the night but find that Sam is now pregnant despite her insistence that she takes uh, birth control religiously. Though shocked, the couple embrace the pregnancy. During the pregnancy, Sam grows increasingly agitated, showing strange periods of rage and the feeling that they are being watched. Eight months later, after watching a priest vomit blood and declare (laughs) Sam's child a gateway for the Antichrist, Zack investigates the nearby abandoned house and discovers evidence of a cult monitoring them. He later finds Sam at their mostly destroyed home in a trance-like state before she cuts the baby out of her. 
As she dies, the cult appears and takes the glowing red baby away. (laughs) (laughs) It's it's too hot, you know. Leaving a grief-stricken Zach framed for Sam's death. Later, we see another young couple in Paris being offered a lift by the very same cab driver. Yeah. I loved the weird addition of these masked men just like surrounding the house and watching them all the time and setting up for no reason just cameras in the house so that we had more found footage to be able to view it through. It was so... uh, it's, the anger in me, I feel I feel seething at the moment. I'm seething about this. You're seething? I'm seething. You I, I would have mistaken you for the baby because you're you're piping hot I'm with piping how angry hot. you are. Oh, you didn't come out of your mother's vagina glowing in red? What <laughs> no. color were you? Green. I was purple. Oh. Yeah. That's cool. Yeah. Couldn't breathe. Yeah. Really yeah. bruised. Quarter around my mother neck got everything. shook around a lot. <laughs> <laughs> Explains why I came out like this. <laughs> Not to be, not to go on a tangent because you know I love a tangent. I do know you love a tangent, and I've been full of tangents already today. Yeah. But you, you fully tried to play celebrity heads in the middle of our episode. I did. You know, like when with like serial killers, right? Yeah, sure. Yeah, because <laughs> I've been listening to a lot of Case File, as I've mentioned. With serial killers, in terms of head injuries, apparently, like I think what I've come to realize is that there is a triumvirate of factors that creates a serial killer. One is a head injury that you get when you're a kid. One is having an alcoholic father, and the other is torturing animals you do those three things in your in your childhood you're set to be a serial killer Mm. that's the holy triangle the triumvirate if you will here's the thing do you think that's what makes a serial killer or what makes a serial killer who gets caught because like there's a there's a lot of hay made around the fact that we have spent a lot of time going like these serial killers they're fucking geniuses and then you hear about their crimes and you're like oh the police are just fucking incompetent holy shit these guys are idiots we just didn't care about finding a lot of serial them. killers aren't smart at all. Yeah. Like, a lot of them aren't very good at covering their tracks. I feel like, if anything, a good serial killer is a, is one that you can't actually tell is a serial killer. Yeah, it's one They're who like was, disconnected like, crimes. I wasn't, I wasn't dropped. If anything, I was I was constantly on pillows by my loving father. Nestled by my father, giving little kisses from I love, my father. I love my little poochie. <laughs> <laughs> I'd never hurt him. I've killed 35 people. <laughs> anyway, I was dropped on the head as a child, hence. Oh, oh God. Uh, anyway. <laughs> This, this movie, it was really hard to describe the third act. Like, anyone who has watched it would be like, is that what happened? Not really. I kind of, like, had to merge together a lot of events. They love using, they love shadows because then they, they can get away with not having to show as much. Like, yeah. I feel like it's, the problem with Fat is, of course, it is, like, a lazy medium. It is. It's just a lazy format of of film. Yeah. Because you can get away with not showing it things. They drop the camera at be. an opportune moment. It doesn't have to be, yeah. though. Right? Because you get things like, you know, there's like Chronicle and Cloverfield, which are at least like Cloverfield better movies. Cloverfield was fun. Yeah, right? This is what I mean. Like, they, they don't have to be lazy. But these ones are lazy. Yes. They always drop the camera right when you want to see something. It's always turned away for a big reveal. Like, it's just... I think, I think, I still, I stand by, like, from, I was thinking back a lot to Paranormal Activity. My main problem is, like, literally on a cinematic language level, it's, it's trading using the art form to communicate suspense for the assumption that because it's shot the like real footage that that counts that replaces the need to show it dramatically yeah, yeah, yeah. like in like paranormal activity where it will be like a shot of nothing yeah. for like two minutes and then a knife and then a drawer closes Mm. And you're like, that's not spooky. You didn't make it spooky. It's just like, an empty shot. There's a scene where like Samantha pregnant is like going to the supermarket. So I the was, footage is like the security yeah. footage of her at the supermarket. And you just see her staring at meat for a while. And then she grabs a pack of it. 
opens it and eats it raw, and that's meant to be just a spooky moment. What's she spooky? doing? Someone just like downing ground beef could be like a spooky moment, you know? I feel like in in like there's that movie Raw, which I didn't watch because I, I can't handle that kind of movie, but but my girlfriend watched it and really liked it. Yeah, you know, like someone like hunching over and like eating meat, and you know, like the sound and stuff that could be like really oh, like oh, oh my god, almost like gross out. Yeah, yeah. And instead, what we got is a shot that is like three full fucking minutes from so far away. We're barely in it. We can't hear it of yeah. a woman looking at meat, and then a minute of her just like snacking on it yeah it barely counts it's yeah. not that's not anything that's not scary i'm like oh that's weird and there's a scene later as she becomes more uh, overcome by this demonic baby that she's growing inside of her she starts to get telekinetic powers yeah and she's able to just look at people and kind of toss them into the air which i have to say is never interesting or scary on- because okay in my opinion it's never interesting or scary because it means that the person has no chance of fighting back and so there's no there's no oh will they be able to do this or that it's just no she'll get them she'll just throw them into the air with her mind yeah i mean like that's 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 what can make something like a monster movie like nope really great is that it seems like an insurmountable unbeatable thing and so then the challenge is escaping escaping it and yeah. overcoming it that's, but there that's has the to first be a alien, couple of rules right? around it that you establish of like this is the way they could get around it like setting up the idea of how you could defeat it yeah. is interesting for the viewer but for us it's like cool she's just going to annihilate these kids with her mind yeah. after she's eaten a raw animal in a field i will say Though I have in my notes like that bit that you're thinking of where she's just like found mun- munching on a deer really strangely by just like three rando kids. Yeah. You know, because she Who just happened like, to be filming. We, yeah. Always. I, you know, we, I. You, no one questions the camera in this. That's, a, that's actually a thing I'll get into because that's more intentional in this one. Okay. Um, but that, mo- like, you know, the other two die, whatever, but the guy who's holding the camera is running and then, you know, we see his legs running and then suddenly they're like running through the air mm. and then he's up in the air and then he falls. That I was like, that's kind of neat. I haven't seen that in a film where so like, normally you see it of someone else mm. is just suddenly floating and then going, yeah. oh, ah, but like the running and then up in the air. It was his perspective. But that, again, the neat. threat of it was an interesting because I was like, you're just going to die. Yeah. Cool. Yeah. It, it like dramatically, it's not yeah. engaging, but it's like, that's kind of cool even if it was like oh my god she's got telekinetic powers but only if she's doing this certain activity or is in this area or she only has a scope of this amount so we've got to outrun her or else if she gets too close she'll do it like even that's more interesting yeah setting up the idea that you could escape it and then not escaping it but if you're just like cool she's just gonna fling them into the air and kill them i hated it i fucking hated this film well look i, I uh, i've got some like production history here to like contextualize Please. some of it um so one of the things, the decision was made by the filmmakers to move the movie away from the previous family tropes, such as the use of a framing device, a linear narrative, and a non-recognizable cast. And into a story... Hey, they're always non-recognizable casts. Yeah, I mean, this is still non-recognizable. Every found footage film has, like, the shittiest cast you can imagine. Which I guess is meant to be intentional, but it never feels like it. Um, and this is a quote, into a story told through the told through cameras that exist in the world of the characters, much yeah. like Chronicle. This is demonstrated throughout, including the deliberate absence of a framing device, the use of an animated opening quote, a recognizable cast, which I don't agree with, mm. a non-chronological narrative structure. I don't know when it's not in order, though. Yeah, it's always in order. Um, and a final music cue that is playing in the taxi becomes the end credit song. I don't know why that counts as, like, a unique 
thing yeah. either. But I, I hated that they ended it with Oogum Boogum. I like that song. I like that song too. I was like, you've cheapened that song. It's one of those moments that I'm like, I th- th- this is like a fun and cool thing, but it feels like when I've seen like students do something like that where I'm like, yeah, I yeah. know exactly like the film you're ripping that from. Yeah, yeah. Like, I know is- that you've like, yeah, I that that was... This is what I was thinking of with Barbarian. The end of Barbarian had that vibe. Mm. They ended it on a Ronette song and it was meant to be that ironic kind of like fun, hip, like 60s R&B song to finish it on. And I was like, fuck you. You've watched too much Tarantino. Well, that's, I mean, if it's Ronettes, especially, that's Scorsese. Yeah, definitely Scorsese. Another thing, Beninelli, Olpen and Gillette had been approached by several other companies for haunted house projects, but chose to work on Devil's Due over the other projects because they felt that the script was a character, was a character-based creepy mood piece that focused on the deteriorating relationship between its two main characters. In an interview, the director said they focused on Zack and Samantha's love story from day one and the horror of watching the person you love degenerate and being left helpless beyond continuing to love them unconditionally. Mm. The thing that I think is always fascinating about these movies is the way the directors describe them is so much more interesting than the movie (laughs) we watch. Oh, that's what you thought? Oh, that was your intention. Yeah, because I'm like, you're right. Like this like relationship, like breaking down, like watching someone you love just like fall apart. Yeah, that is kind of tragic and interesting. If only we could have experienced that too. That's not really the movie, but like. I I think there's some, some, some really nice moments between the two characters like that are that feel very natural like there's that bit where they're at the doctor's office for the first time when she's getting her ultrasound done and they're making a joke about how there's like a graph on the wall that has like it has four pictures but it's like the three stages of pregnancy and they were joking being like i hope the doctor can count blah 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 like that felt nice and natural but like the actors didn't do a bad job it was just it was just shit but like just shit that's gonna have like drama around it yes there's, there's got to be a movie around that there was if too much of them being happy and bonding and if it, yeah if it's just like oh my god it's, it's the same thing as every fucking one of these movies where the opening 10 minutes is just them living their life yeah. and i'm like i can't my I beautiful can't, wife I, I can't we're getting married this, tomorrow this isn't a movie this yeah. is someone's home videos and i i just it's not interesting you could have started it Straight after that, you could start it in the Dominican Republic, being like, "We're on our honeymoon. Yeah. We just got married." I will say, I did appreciate that most of the time these movies literally nothing happens until like sixty minutes in. Yeah, and at the very least, she started always. getting agitated twenty minutes in. Yeah, it still wasn't it's engaging. Always. You but expect it, was like, it. You're like, okay, so the first half is just going to be set up. Great. Yeah. Here we go. Well, hey, another thing: the cast and crew shot the twenty-seven locations in four and a half days while in the Dominican Republic. Wow. You know it's a short turnaround when you include a half day. Yeah. Like, I love that they shot four days and then, like, the next day finished at 12 and they're like, I guess we shot the movie. All right, wrapped for lunch. Everyone go home. We do- <laughs> <Get the laughs> That's a wrap, out. guys. Yeah. <laughs> I've been on shorts that had longer shoots than that. <laughs> yeah. I, now I'm like, why? Why did I <laughs> yeah. take so long to shoot everything? Well, if Devil's Jew could do this in four and a half days, it's a new benchmark. I guess it's probably pretty easy when you just um, don't have to fucking shoot anything other than people just sort of hanging out. Oh, I fucking hate this film. I fucking hate film. <laughs> Beep that again. you got a sense of that. Uh, yeah, sorry, I don't want I anyone it. hearing these words, these cursed words. Much of the film's criticism centered upon the film's fam- similarity to other films such as Rosemary's Baby and Paranormal Activity an element that Fearnet reviewer Scott Weinberg, who I'm pretty sure is a rating-descending all-star for his scripts, um, 
remarked was likely more due to decisions by the film's production company than anything else. Weinberg called the movie a darkly passionate homage to Rosemary's Baby. The similarities are both intentional and affectionate. However, since the film's release, um, the film has found a cult following and director Eli Roth has been vocal in his support of the film and in a series of posts on his Twitter account wrote... Don't prejudge Devil's Due because Rosemary's Baby is a holy grail movie. It's so smart, creative, inventive, and fun. Very, very scary. The guys at Radio Silence killed it. Devil's Due is a legit, scary, smart horror film. So many awesome scenes. I loved it. My neck is sore from how much I've shaken my head throughout (laughs) this entire record. Fuck you, Eli Roth. You just have terrible taste and you made shit movies. I'm getting angry. Yeah, I mean, a, a recurring thread of this movie like. is that... Oh, probably, yeah. Yeah, I'm a bit hangry at the moment. <laughs> a recurring thread on this podcast is that whilst Eli Roth has never had a movie on it, Eli Roth is is the villain. You're so trashy, Eli Roth. Go hang. <laughs> I mean, we have had to reconcile with the fact that at the beginning of this year, we went pretty hard on Ty West. <laughs> we only did. for by the end of the year, like X and Pearl have become some of the more critically acclaimed indie films of the year and people you are hailing him. You can turn it around. That's something we've learnt in this podcast. I just feel like such a fool. We went so hard on we this really fucking did. guy. We really did. And didn't we, I speculated that Ty West was like a hunky Eurasian man. Yeah. And he was just and a white I, dude. I said I reckoned he was a Barry Jenkins type. Yeah, yeah. yeah. A white guy. Or I think he's Jewish. Right. But I don't know. I don't know for sure. <laughs> to quote the end of Food Fight, and he was Jewish. <laughs> Do you want to hear some trivia? Yes. <laughs> <laughs> Glad we've taken that line away from Food Fight. <laughs> All right, so there wasn't that much uh, trivia. Shocking. Yeah. Um, Crazy. Especially not, like, interesting trivia. You're telling me that you struggled with this film a little bit in terms of the research and finding something interesting to talk about? I did. And you criticized celebrity heads. That was way more interesting. <laughs> I guess it was a game. The filmmakers have said they approached the movie as a creepy thriller and unsettling love story rather than a horror movie, which is how the film was marketed by Fox. Oh, what the fuck? What are they talking about? I, who knows? It was, it was, who knows? The script had been pitched to them as a foundage take on Rosemary's Baby, but the directors wanted to find ways to make their movie different from the 1968 film that they praise and consider a personal favorite. This included instilling a fun energy throughout and a sense of humor into the script. Right. Right. I almost lost it when I read that because the last thing I would describe this movie. Where was the humor? Where's the fun energy? Where was that? Where did you hide it? Fun energy. At no point did I have fun. No fun fun with this. Fun was absent. (laughs) The fuck are you guys talking about? You are delusional. This was this was a dark hole where fun which could be sense of humor. There were no chuckles. I had not one giggle. Mummy, you told me we were taking a trip to Ha Ha Land. The little Claire's were absent. Instead, I am at the dentist. I am lacking of this chuckle. You promised me. (laughs) And you have failed. I hated this film. And here's the last one. Um, I'm going to count this as a weirdly written goof, even though it's not a goof. It's weirdly written trivia. Okay. There are numerous cult symbols hidden throughout the movie. (laughs) Did they elaborate? Nope. That's it. That's the whole piece of trivia. I believe them. (laughs) Yeah. Well, I mean, as well as, yeah, of course. Of, yeah. of course there is. It's about the Antichrist. It's pretty explicit. Yeah. It's pretty explicitly <laughs> part of the movie. <laughs> Which, by the way, by the way, just to backtrack out of our trivia for a second, 
the priest implies that it like he said it's a gateway for the antichrist yeah and they and like she- succeed they have a red hot demon yeah. baby and then they have like a portal that she creates yeah. to i mean they always succeed in the fabric films everyone but- always dies and the killer wins every time yeah but then like the cab driver is getting another couple are they getting another they, Antichrist? You need another. That's greedy. Like, the Antichrist Isn't, is back. Yeah. Don't you just need oh the my one? God, like, that's it. There's only room for one Antichrist. There only is one, right? I don't think you can have two Antichrists at the same time. Oh, if they do, if you do, do they battle it out? Oh, my God. Do, or do they, they fall fight? in love? Do they, do do they, they kiss? kiss? <laughs> oh, my God. <laughs> I'm here for that love story. Anti, your Anticry are, fight, are fighting and then kissing. The enemies, Enemies to lovers. Oh, my God. <laughs> Modern day Romeo and Juliet. Is the two anti-cry? Yes. I, I anti-cry every time. <laughs> Do you want to hear some reviews? Yes. Reviews! Alright, so this has 18% on Rotten Tomatoes and 4.1 on IMDb. Too high. The Rotten Tomatoes consensus is derivative and mostly uninspired. Devil's Jew adds, a, adds little to either fan or horror genres that it's content to mimic. I also found common criticism is aimed at the film's use of the found technique and asked the question, who assembled this footage? <laughs> Great question to ask. However, who allowed ac- this? According to the film's directors, this was a deliberate choice. Sure. In quotes, audiences are way too smart to have the this is real found wool pulled over their eyes anymore. And much like Chronicle, Devil's Jew doesn't pretend to be footage that anyone has found or compiled. It's simply a story that is told through cameras that exist in the world. Oh, so it's a footage film. I get it. Yeah, it's just... It's... It, that's nothing. That's gibberish. <laughs> that's nothing. Stop wasting our time. Audiences are too smart for this genre to make sense. I can't so pull we these people into... <laughs> we didn't bother. <laughs> <laughs> you know when you watch a mockumentary and you're like, clearly it's not a documentary. Why bother? Yeah. I'll just make it a documentary. You know, you know what? Why but I was making a mockumentary and I was like the audiences are too smart to think that this is a real doco. So, I just made a regular movie. I just want to throttle him. I have violent tendencies towards this man. Here's an IMDb review uh, titled A Really Good Fun Movie by Amber Julian. Finally, a fan <laughs> movie Saved you know, it for you. you know, I fucking let you pass the last. If you listened to the last few episodes, I've oh, yeah, just totally been, ignored you. You have no. It it's makes been me building. actually like it more when you acknowledge that I've done the. Burp. It's, it's been it's been fucking building. I want okay? like a little pat on my shoulder. I'm over it. it you know? I'm over it. All right. <laughs> little does the audience know we've recorded nine of these in a row. That's not true. We've recorded <laughs> nine of these in a row, and and I can't I can't take it anymore, Abigail. <laughs> Keep your burps inside. <laughs> Finally, <laughs> a fan movie that doesn't think the audience is stupid. This is an inspired, unique, and fun little bizarre movie that is pretty much unlike anything I've ever seen. It's a thriller and supernatural horror movie and a great love story all in one. The best parts are the small moments between the characters. Lots of little intentional honest laughs from me. And the scares get under your skin. Not just a bunch of jump scares. Which there are a bunch of. There's a bunch of them, yeah. But there are those, of course, too. I love that they don't pretend it's tapes for the police or some weird framing device to try and trick us. It's just a cool style of movie and not even really found footage. I could go on, but really, it's just a good, scary, fun movie. And it's so nice to actually care about the characters. Sam and Zach, played by Alison Miller and Zach Guilford, (laughs) for a change. People are going to stuff this in the PA box. What? But they what shouldn't. The what is that? <laughs> it, it's not that kind of movie Public at all. Public announcement box? What is Good that? stuff. 10 out of 10. <laughs> in what world is this film unique or special? It, it It is honestly the exact same as every other found footage film we've seen. It's 
I, I couldn't, I could barely pick it out of a lineup. I should, uh, yeah. And like, I was grateful when it was over and I committed to knowing that I would discard any memory of this film in about 10 minutes time from now. I, there's nothing I hope for more. Um, I was, this is an extra one I added it in, I added in at the last minute um, just because I couldn't get over one particular aspect about it. Uh, it's titled Don't Get Me Wrong by Jay Bennett. Yep. I know this one is not a 10 out of 10, but because the overall ratings are ridiculously low, I choose to give it a little push upwards. So many of them are this. Right now, mid-November 2022, it's at 4.1, and that doesn't do this movie any justice. Good actors, good directing, good camera work. It is kind of f- and many people seem to dis- dislike this subgenre of horror. But if you're into it, you might really enjoy it. The story is actually quite Rosemary's Baby style, but the only thing that matters to me is how much a movie made how much a movie made an impact on me. Uh-huh. This one was quite scary and made me feel une- uneasy in a good way, like a horror movie should do. I felt sympathy for the main characters, and that is more you can that you can say of your average nowadays horror movie, where it is seemingly all about the kills, and not that you as the watcher feel sorry for what is happening all to the victims. All about the kills. You just want to feel sorry for them. If you like this movie, go check out the other releases by the directors, e.g., their episodes in Southbound VHS or the new Scream movie. I give it a seven, or maybe even a seven point five out of ten. But like I wrote in the beginning, to do this movie justice, I rated it as a ten. 10 out of 10. <laughs> I just couldn't get over that it was from mid-November 2022. Yeah, yeah. I double-checked. I wanted to see, like, do they have other legit reviews or is this some disgruntled podcast listener who's sick of us slagging on a yeah. found footage? And No, that's just someone who just wow. watched it recently. Wow. Here's another one titled Unappreciated and Unfairly Reviewed by Flitz35. I've said it once and I'll say it again. There are way too many, sorry, there are way too many low-budget, straight-to-DVD horror movies that lose your interest within the first 10 minutes. Devil's Due entertained me the whole time and made me always wanting more. In today's day and age, there are many f***ing movies, and I've learned to accept and enjoy them. Problem is, with all the bad reviews, too much attention was paid on how the movie was directed, how the movie Uh, was shot, uh, and how the movie was written, uh, instead of just losing yourself for 90 minutes and let yourself be entertained by a mainstream horror flick as in the theaters. The whole time. Bad reviews are like a domino effect. One bad review leads other people to also be negative on the movie, and instead of enjoying it, the viewer will pick on every little thing you think is wrong with the movie. 10 out of 10. They were entertained the whole 87 minutes of the whole. Like when they, when they were doing the, when they were like unpackaging the Christmas presents and when they were dancing at their wedding. What's well, because they're not bothering to think all oh, these people are losing themselves on how it's written and how it's shot oh, and how God. it's directed. All these little ah! nitpicks. <laughs> stop, stop picking up on how the movie was made and instead just enjoy it. <laughs> I feel like I'm just, I'm resentful that we, we have to give this film any of our time or effort i think some people legitimately would be entertained by just sitting down for 90 minutes yeah and losing themselves to the experience like i don't think the movie's part of it i think if they just sat down for 90 minutes they'd have a good time yeah and so then they conflate the movie with that yeah it's like if you watch it with a bunch of your friends while drunk and you're like man i love that movie i had a great time it's like Mm. that's not a good movie yeah 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 um here's a really short one to end it on a bit bloody for a comedy but we had fan by seth silent blade Devil's Due is a good parody of movies like Rosemary's Baby and Paranormal Activity. Parody. At least we wanted to believe in that. 10 out of 10. 
<laughs> Such a confusing and cryptic review. <laughs> I like maybe it's a bit. I Their other reviews didn't suggest don't that they understand. do bits. <laughs> <laughs> but you know. Is your review going to be as cryptic as that? I don't know. Let's find out. Uh, zero. Zero? I'm not giving this film wow. any more of my time. Fuck you. And I have to bring the average down for our reviews because now I know that people are extracting data. Um, I cannot continue to give a higher rating to these films than IMDb is issuing. So yeah. zero out of ten. I I do agree that this one is lower than the IMDb rating because it should be low. Yeah. I don't know if it's a zero... I think I, I like. We need to have a united front here, Michelle. I didn't like it. I don't. I'm not going to give it like a four or something. You can't allow this behavior to continue. I, I, I'm I just want to be the the bad parent anymore. I'm just saying, Paranormal Activity Four was a family in a house and shots of empty rooms yeah. for 80 minutes, and this then was there a was bit better than at that. five minutes a movie be- for the last five minutes a movie began. Yeah, right. Yeah, this a movie started. It did have right? that structure of she is pregnant, and by the end of it, I was like, more is happening in this than in many of these other horror movies. Remember when we had to watch what was it The Gallows? Yeah, yeah. This was better than The Gallows. Yeah, it's that still puts it really low yeah. as a movie, but it was it's better than some of the other yeah. found footage ones. It's better than Area Fifty One. Yeah. You know? uh, so I don't know. Three, three, maybe two point eight. There we let's go. Let's go with two point two point eight is better let's than go three. With that. Yeah, but it's like it's not good. I just want to respect. Like I think there was some neat ideas. I guess you know, maybe. and that you know, I, I wish the guys more success. Hey, Radio Silence, uh, you go. I I think you'll get there one day. I hope <laughs> you all crash and burn. I think I think me in this room. Uh, I think you can get there. Yeah, Michelle's got a bit of love to give. I've got nothing. I'm resentful, furious, irate, <laughs> just angry. badly. Well, to be fair, like I, as I've said at the beginning of this episode, I've learned that like sometimes really batting for these movies and giving them a chance can really blow up in my face. Yeah, yeah. We need I, to be more critical, Michelle. We've got to put our foot down. I really should never have said anything. <laughs> can we re-record the Artemis Fowl yeah. episode? Right, my inbox is flooded. <laughs> People going, I hate that movie. It ruined my childhood. Fuck. <laughs> well, hey, you know, that's what we thought of the movie. And that means we're at the end of the episode. But if you're like, oh, no, I, I, I kind of wanted more. Well, a good news for you, we have over 100 episodes. And if you want to find, you know, keep up with us or join some of the discussions that happen, the ha-has and laughs, well, you can find it on Twitter at RateDescendPod, on TikTok at RatingDescending, or you can email us at RatingDescending at gmail.com. Or you can find us on our personal accounts. I'm on Insta under Abigail J. Ward. And you can find me on Twitter and Instagram at Michelle.StClair. And please leave us a review on anywhere you get your podcasts. We'd really appreciate or it. Anywhere. Yelp, Google Review. Yeah, TripAdvisor. I could use it, you know. Call, call my mom and, Rotten Tomatoes. and tell IMDb. her you think I did a neat job. We should great. set up an IMDb page for our podcast. People can leave us IMDb oh, It's going to be so low. The, <laughs> the, bit, the bit is too obvious. <laughs> 0.2. I mean, hey, look, that was Devil's Jew, but Abby, what are we watching next week? Uh, Michelle, 
returning to our hot streak, next week we'll be watching Fifty Shades of Grey. Hey, back ooh, to the baby. back to the trilogy. Ooh, I'm ready to get hot, sexy. Ooh, I'm ooh. ready to fuck. Oh, I'm coming right now. I'm loomed up. Oh, holy shit! Oh, I'm pretty fucking good. yeah. I'm sorry that I couldn't last longer. Oh my god, that's embarrassing. When did we get to the pool? I'm fucking drenched. <laughs>